Welcome back to Good Health Radio, Dr. Kelly Ann Garnier. How are you today, Kelly? Oh, I'm super. I'm really super, Kylie. Thank you for having me back. It's lovely to be here with you today. I'm so glad to have you back, second time on the radio with us. And today we're talking about the Camino. Now, you've done this twice. Now, I have never thought about doing this, and I don't actually know anyone personally that's done it. So I'm fascinated. Tell me, what is the Camino? Sure. So essentially, it's a it's a long-distance walk, not quite a hike. I'd call it a walk, which replicates the pathway of ancient pilgrims um, and in fact it's 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 an approach which can be done from many different geographical routes that all of which culminate in the city of Santiago in the west Santiago de Compostela in the western aspect northwestern aspect of Spain and you know as as the saying goes I guess it is a pilgrimage so it very much is a walk you take either on your own or in a group. Some people pursue it from a spiritual point of view. Some people are just enjoying it from a more pragmatic being in nature and getting out there and doing some exercise point of view. It's a national treasure as far as Spain is concerned. And more than anything else, it's a journey, I feel. Um, and yeah, I've done it twice and happily, would happily do it every year of my life. Um, wow. So, yeah, something I'm quite passionate about. So isn't it days and days of walking? <laughs> it is indeed. So depending on the route you take, and traditionally speaking, we say you start your pilgrimage from when you leave your home, the threshold of crossing your home. Um, but at the moment, traditionally, there are a few routes. You know, you could go from Portugal, you can go from France, which is probably the most popular route. Over 60% of pilgrims walk the route from France. That particular route is about 780 kilometers and would take you around about four weeks. Okay. So how long did it take you to do? (laughs) So the first time I did it, I did about 400 kilometers or 440. And that took me probably about three and a half weeks. And the second time I did it was a different section of about 400 kilometers. And again, that took me about three weeks. So I like to take it nice and slow. I also build in some rest days. Um, Not everyone does that. However, John Brierley, who wrote a a guidebook on it called um, the Camino de Santiago, a pilgrim's guide, he has a route that he recommends and he puts it, I think, 30, what is it now? Yes, 35 days, I think it is, that, that he recommends, or 31, there you go, 31. And you take a few rest days. Obviously, that's more on the minimal side, but you'd be amazed how much uh, mileage some folk do cover in a day. It's quite incredible. Yeah, because (laughs) when I first thought about it, thinking you were walking for 30 days or a month, Mm. I was thinking, what about rest? Where do you get to rest? How do you get to sleep? So do you camp or are there hostels or how does that work? Yeah, so it depends on what you want um, and your budget. The more traditional way to go would be to stay in the alberga, which is often, um, you know, perhaps church-led or municipal-led, very humble accommodation, kind of like a youth hostel, really. And you would just, you don't even need to book. You would just go from night to night, rock up in a town, and then move from one place to the next and just see where there are still beds or a bunk left. The other option would be maybe a step up, which is, as sort of a B&B, of which there is a range of comfort and convenient levels. 
And then, of course, in some of the bigger towns, there are boutique hotels, even self-serving accommodation, you know, like sort of what a Quest apartment would be, that sort of thing. Um, So there really is a range. There are some beautiful converted monasteries to stay in. It really depends. And one of the things I do enjoy when I plan my route is I sort of treat myself. So I I have a one, two, three rule. (laughs) My first night, I sort of stay in a a hostel. The second night, I do a and b The third night, I do a hotel. And then I go back to, you know, the first option again. Because each of the styles of accommodation offers something very different. Obviously, the hostels, you get a lot more of the community feel. You interact with the other pilgrims. But then again, you might not get a good night's sleep because you may pick up bed bugs, heaven forbid, or somebody <laughs> in the dorm you know, snores. Whereas in the hotels, I find not only am I blessed with peace and quiet and sometimes a beautiful room with a gorgeous view, but it's just the solitude as well that's quite nice. So each of those accommodation options provides a very different, I guess, return in terms of, of your investment. Um, some traditionalists will just stay in the hostels all the way through, and that's the sort of Camino they want. So I think one of the, the beauties about the Camino is that you really do tailor it to exactly what suits you. Um, but then as all of us tend to find, the unexpected, of course, also happens. Um, and you just have to roll with that too. So you might arrive and your booking hasn't been made or there is no room, and you just have to deal with that. So that's part of the fun. So listening to you talk, you've got a smile in your voice. <laughs> I certainly do. Oh, so why did you actually firstly decide to do the Camino for yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. I... The way I remember it, when I lived in Melbourne and at that stage I was still banking, I feel like somebody, a young woman, came over for lunch one day. And from memory, she she wasn't a friend of mine. She was a friend of a friend who arrived. And she said she just got back from doing the Camino. And oh, my goodness, I've never heard of that. What is that? And she described what she'd just done with a backpack on her back and walked for 800 kilometers and slept in a different village every night. And the South African in me was thinking, are you crazy? (laughs) Are you absolutely crazy? Why would you do that? And that never thought of it again. You know, we had her for lunch and that was it. And then it was literally several several years later. They say you walk the, the Camino for the three Ds, either death, divorce or depression. And I fell into the divorce category at that point in time. And, um, I remember just thinking, I want to do the Camino. (laughs) I couldn't remember this young lady's name, but all of a sudden, I just, I had this yearning to do the Camino and I started to research it and literally had to get some help buying some hiking shoes and a backpack and bought the guidebook and sat with a spreadsheet and plotted it all out and bought an air ticket and off I went. Um, And I've become an addict, as so many of us do. Once you walk the Camino... Um, it, you know, it, it's, it's a holiday and it's a journey that for me is, is like no other because it is really a natural treasure and has been around for thousands of years. You've almost got infrastructure around this walk, even depending on which route, there is still infrastructure and a community and a culture which values and embraces the pilgrims as they go. And I don't know how many other walks worldwide have got that. 
so typically you do feel quite safe. I mean, certainly there are moments of, of feeling quite vulnerable, but you do feel quite safe. You feel welcome. And there is a sense of community. One of the things we say to each other when we're on the route is Buon Camino, which is like, have a good way, mm. have a good day. And it's just so wonderful. You know, I can't tell you the number of times I've been walking when I've needed something and inevitably something has just happened to help me out. The problem has been solved. So the Camino is pretty special like that. So did you make some close pilgrim friends? I know some people end up walking at the same pace as others and just end up taking the journey with a stranger that starts with a stranger and ends in a friend. Did you have that experience? I didn't. I've certainly stayed in touch with one or two people along the way. And I had what I would almost think of as brief encounters that I still treasure. And but no, I don't. I couldn't say I met a partner or a lifelong friend. I mean, you hear wonderful stories about some people have fallen in love Mm. on the Camino, which is just incredible. Um, But but no, that that I can't say. But I certainly have had brief moments with who would have been up until that point a complete stranger and I've walked away now staying in touch with someone or having been helped by somebody along the way. Yeah, so nourished by the others. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Was it a different feel each time? Yes. Oh, tell me. Very much so. The first time was probably the most special for a couple of reasons. You don't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And you're so green. And I remember starting out at St. John Pierre de Port and I'd read in all the books, I mean, tomorrow I've got to cross the Pyrenees. You just say that aloud. I've got to cross the Pyrenees. I'm not particularly sporty. And um, I had this backpack and I thought, all right, well, I will take the low road. I'm too scared to take the high road. I will take the row road. And I prepared for that. And I'm not somebody who does things, you know, on the cuff or on the fly. I I tend to plan for things. And um, I remember the, the night before heading out just to, pick up something for dinner and the lady said to me oh no no you you have to take the high road it is the best day of the whole Camino and of course you know you can imagine the Europeans so passionate (laughs) she said you have to and I said oh but I'm on my own and I don't want to get lost up there you know but at that point I wasn't sure how I was going to get guided how well marked the route was etc etc my fitness level and she said oh you would have to be stupid as a goat to get lost. <laughs> okay, alrighty then. And I did. I took the high road. And physically, it was exhausting for me. But it was almost one of the proudest moments of my life. And I've got a video on my phone where very stupidly and very naively, I set off that morning, had arranged for my backpack to be transported, which you can do on the Camino, which is great. And um, I just literally had a merino jumper, not thinking of the altitude and closing weather or changing conditions. And I've got this video of me looking all around at this incoming cloud and grey weather pattern and down 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 in the valley is the village that I would have left that morning and this video sort of pans around and then you look up at the ground I've still got to cover and I'm sort of saying that is where I've come from and you can hear me (laughs) 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 and that 
is where I'm going. And it was like a visa advert because I remember thinking, and all I've got is my visa in my pocket, priceless, <laughs> and a thin merino jumper. You know, and I could literally see the Aussie headlines, young doctor dies from exposure in Pyrenees, <laughs> only packed a jumper. You know? Oh, my goodness. Um, and it was just, you know, the, I felt so alive. And when I got into the monastery that night where I stayed, this beautiful converted monastery, excuse me, I just felt so incredibly proud of myself. Um, and, you know, did I push myself out of my comfort zone? Absolutely. Was I scared? You know, at one point, um, I recall somebody walking towards me in the opposite direction, and I was in a sort of a forest wooded area. And um, I felt quite vulnerable at that time. And I was okay. I got safe, you know, I got there safely. But there were moments during that day when I felt incredibly vulnerable, very exposed. I enjoyed being in nature. So I guess the experience is one that makes you feel quite alive. And for me, incredibly proud of of doing something which is out of my comfort zone. That's amazing. Good on you. <laughs> that is huge. So the second time you did it, was it more yeah. a settling feeling? You knew what yeah. you were going into? Yeah, you're a little bit more cocky, I think. <laughs> I think you, you think, I got this. Yeah, and you find yourself giving advice as though you really know what you're doing. Um, and I chose a different route. Uh, so the first time, because I wanted to take it slow, I did the first section. And then I sort of started at the halfway mark and did the second half the second time round. And you are perhaps sometimes guilty of comparing then everything to your first time round. And there was an, a time lapse of about three years between the two journeys. And times have changed on the Camino. I find that there were certainly a lot more young people second time round. So perhaps it's become a little bit trendy for folk to do. I mean, it's cheap accommodation along the way. It's a very social holiday to have. So in some ways, it feels a little bit like some people have got the contiki bug. That changed the ambiance for me a smidge. Uh, I also had a little bit of a scary episode in Lyon um, where let's just say somebody was paying more attention to me as I walked home from dinner than I was comfortable with. Um, and I hastily made my way back to my hotel room and just felt a little bit more vulnerable the next morning heading out. I'm one of the folk who like to head out in the dark early in the morning because that way you've safely covered quite a bit of ground before the heat of the day and you get into your next destination maybe, you know, midday-ish before you're in the, the sun and you can just relax and enjoy yourself there, maybe even do some sightseeing before having an early night and then doing it all again the next morning. But I did find being after that experience, I was a bit once bitten, twice shy and, and sort of felt a little bit more vulnerable. But then what came from that was something quite special when I attended a mass and I can be quite introverted, believe it or not. I am actually <laughs> quite shy. And um, I found some English speaking pilgrims and just sort of said to them, oh, look, I'm on my own, anyone heading out early tomorrow morning? And they all said, oh, no, we're blah, blah, and we're this and we're that. And then there was an Australian lady who said to me, look, I'm on a bike, so I'm, I'm, I'm not in a position, position to help, but I've got an extra whistle. 
and a compass. How about I give that to you? And she gave that to me. And these are the sorts of things where you, you just feel you feel really connected and, and just, you know, your sense of gratitude, I think, with small gestures when you're on the road with a backpack really mean a lot. Yeah, it's so, so powerful and connecting. That's amazing. So we're on Good Health Radio with Kylie Roger and we're speaking to our gorgeous Dr. Kelly about her trip on the Camino. Well, trip, epic journey on the Camino, <laughs> I should say. So did you have a place that was a highlight? Oh, Kylie, so many of them. Mm. Galicia, which is the last sort of county or region that you walk through, is exquisite. And there is a certain part where you come across plantations of eucalyptus trees. Wow. And that is quite special. And you will always find the Australians on the social media will take note of the eucalyptus trees. That is quite something. You sort of feel right at home. And despite how tired you are or, you know, the solitude that you have, you you have a sense of connection to Australia, which is lovely. I also recall coming into Santiago right at the end. You're sort of exhausted and there's this this whole sense of anticipation and how are you going to react when you finally reach your destination. And there were quite a few hills that day and got up to one particular hill and you see the cathedral for the first time. Now, I will say for me, the Camino is more of a spiritual journey rather than a religious pilgrimage. But seeing the cathedral, and you've literally been through blood, sweat and tears for the last 440 kilometers, it just takes your breath away. And you feel like, oh, God, yes, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I can do this. I can, I can dig deep and I can keep going. Um, that was pretty special, but I think the the most special would have to have been that first day of crossing the Pyrenees. I don't think that will ever leave me. And needless to say, the scenery, you know, is magnificent. So if you're somebody who enjoys being out in nature and beautiful scenery, every day is different. And Europe's like that. You don't have to travel far between, before the fauna and the flora and the culture and the cuisine changes. So you also get that beautiful, fluid, fluid sort of change to your experience as a pilgrim or some may say a tourist, and that's quite rewarding as well. Oh, it sounds so magical. It is. <laughs> I know it this. Is. I could, as I said to you, I could talk about the Camino all day. Yeah. Um, so I know there's yeah. blood, as you said, blood, sweat, tears. So it's mm. challenging as well mm. because there's solitude. You're by yourself. But did you find yourself? Oh, two things. <laughs> they say the way you walk through the Camino or the way you do the Camino is the way you do life. So in many ways, as you go through the Camino, you have an inner journey and you have an outer journey and you watch yourself. And needless to say, (laughs) I clearly have a determined stride and (laughs) am determined to get to where I'm going. And that does mimic me. That's true to life as well. We spoke about, you know, do you hang out with the other pilgrims or are you on your, your own mission? And I would have to say that a lot of the time I enjoyed my own company. I craved the solitude. But also there was the sense of, I know where I'm going. I'm going to get there by then. Off I go. 
So in that respect, do you find yourself, you get to know yourself a lot better. The second thing they say about the Camino is the way you finish the Camino is going to be completely different from the person you were when you started the Camino. And that every time you do a Camino, it gives you what you need. So you will get from that journey what you needed. And I think that's probably true as well. You look at the first time I did it, I was sort of newly divorced um, and everything that comes with that. And I had to get used to being on my own again. And, you know, for somebody that can be quite shy, it is incredibly confronting. Walking into a new village every day, you don't know where you are. You may not be able to find your accommodation. The map looks different from what you expected. You can't speak the right, the same language. So that was quite something uh, for me. And that was the first journey. The second one, as I say, I was, I was a bit more cocksure of myself. And of course, that experience in Leon nipped that in the bud straight away. And I probably walked with a different sense of maybe physical vulnerability the second time. But absolutely, I, um, I, just, I just loved it. I think one of the other things it left me with, particularly that second trip, was how much inner strength we've all got access to. And, you know, you, you, just, you just feel so incredibly, incredibly proud of yourself. Well, I certainly did. You know, as I say, physical prowess is not something that's, that is me. And just so proud of, of doing it and pushing through the pain and the solitude um, and finishing that journey. There's a beautiful quote that Paolo Coelho says in one of his books called The Pilgrimage, which is based very much on his experience. And somebody has summarized the book and said it's, it, it explores the parable of the need to find one's own path. And extraordinary is always found in the ordinary and the simple ways of everyday people. And I remember one particular day, which was a mountainous stretch. I'd lost my walking poles. I mean, I'm, I'm shocking like that. I'm so, you know, haphazard. And I'd bought two different sets. And, I've, of course, I'd lost both of them and stubbornly refused to buy a third. And on this particular day, I was walking and huffing and puffing and whatnot. And I walked next to a teacher from Canada, I think it was. And within about five minutes of talking, I, I mentioned how I'd lost the second set of walking poles. And before I knew it, he insisted on giving me one of his own poles. Hmm. And off we walked together. So, yeah, the, the ordinary becomes the extraordinary on the Camino. Lots of information and knowledge about yourself, that deep looking into yourself. Mm. So I'm interested how did that stay afterwards? Sometimes you get a feeling of clarity maybe or you've had this deep emotional, mental, physical journey. How did you translate that into life coming back? I think it depends on the way in which you've been impacted. So, for example, if you have been struck by loss and you walk the Camino to, I don't want to say rid yourself, but to help you resolve your grief. I think what you do is you hopefully bring back an improved sense of lightness of being if you have managed to process that grief. For me, I think my reward was an improved sense of self-reliance and 
if I look back at myself in, say, my 20s and my 30s, I was always busy. And I think sometimes when we're busy, we're busy for the sake of being busy. Because when we're quiet, there are things to confront that we don't necessarily want to confront. It may be loneliness. It may be a discomfort with decisions we've made in the past. But personally, I can say that I've used busyness a lot to distract myself, perhaps, from things I wasn't ready to confront. And what the Camino did for me was it took away the sense of always needing to be busy. And I learned at even the pleasure, and it is a pleasure, of my own company. I learned how self-reliant I can be. I learned that there is a, a deeper strength and an industriousness to me that can sort things out when plans go awry. And so what I returned with was almost a, a skill set and probably more peace. And as I grow older, I think I'm tapping in more or perhaps getting more comfortable with the fact that I am probably more introverted. If you'd met me 20, 30 years ago, you would have said I was an extrovert. But I think a lot of that was, let's not call it put on, but a lot of that was the busyness and the socializing for the sake of avoidance. Mm. So that's what the Camino did for me. So interesting. And obviously for other people, they'd have experiences similar as you talked about if people are walking the Camino for grief or for other reasons, mm. challenging themselves and finding their strengths. If people want to look more into this, do you have suggestions of anything they could look at to find out yeah. more information? Sure. I mean, the internet is an absolute wealth of information on the Camino. The gold standard guidebook is the Pilgrim's Guide to the Camino de Santiago, which is written by John Briley. And he does exceptionally well, I feel, at covering it all from a practical point of view, as well as the more mystical inner journey side to things. The other thing is the Facebook groups. Australians are quite crazy about the Camino, and there are a number of state-based Facebook groups, as well as a central group. And then, you know, just for a little bit of a, a tippy taste, there's a movie called The Way, which was shot in 2010 and was produced and written by Emilio Estevez and stars Martin Sheen. That is a lovely, lovely, gentle introduction into what the Camino is, is like and indeed has been shot in some of the, the parts of the way and some of the accommodations are the ones you could stay at today. Oh, I haven't heard of that movie. I'll have to look into that. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, Kelly, <laughs> it's been so lovely and warming speaking to you today and hearing of your beautiful experiences on the Camino. Thank you. So our beautiful Dr. Kelly is available at QV Medical in Melbourne and she's available on redefininghealth.com.au and next week we'll be talking all things medical. Exciting. Thank <laughs> you, Kelly. My absolute pleasure, Kylie. Thank you so much for having me and um, for anyone who hasn't done it think about the Camino while our wings are clipped think, think about some other Australian very 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 lovely pathways you can travel so so please if, if you don't feel confident can I only encourage you that it's possible give it a crack thank you so much Kelly you're on Good Health Radio with Kylie Roger and we've just been speaking to the amazing Dr Kelly Garnier thank you so much and we will be back after this break <laughs> 